This episode of the Turf District Podcast is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network. Pod shout out this week to Creative Block, hosted by Kyle Marshall. Creative Block features interviews with artists and entrepreneurs about where they came from, what they are doing now, and where they want to go. Check out all their shows and all the rest of the great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. This show is dedicated to one of our superfans, Bill. Uh, he loved the team and interacting with us, especially providing us with gifts of the shows. Uh, hoping the best seats in the house for all the future games for you, Bill. Enjoy the show. Hey, fellas, we ain't gonna ever back down from nobody. I don't care who it is. This is a brotherhood. And if we stand strong together, we can't be denied. If one of us go down, we have another, and another, and another that's ready to fight. So let's hit this field and bang them, bang them, bang them. Somebody light me up. It's time to huddle up. Turf District Podcast. proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. We're also a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Andrew and uh, we have a great show for you this evening, uh, or I guess this afternoon if you're listening uh, afterwards, but uh, if you're not tuning in on YouTube, why not? I mean, join subscribe do all those fun things and join in our chats on monday nights um we but we uh we have so much to talk about this evening (laughs) you'd think we'd be out of things to talk about after the whole season but no we found ways to talk about more things so let's bring in the usual gang starting with going out west to super fan mike reindeer gentlers reindeer (laughs) gentlers It's, you know, it's the season, right? Yeah, I'm just impressed you don't already have a red nose. That's what I was kind of prepared for. I thought, okay, well. Yeah, well. Yeah. I'm working my way through the advent calendar. Attaboy. Attaboy. Mm-hmm. I'm about six days behind, so I'll, oh, I'll okay. get there sooner or later. I'll make up two or three nights tonight. We'll be good. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, also joining us down from uh, Christmas land, uh, it's the one and only Commissioner Kayla. How are you? Well, just super dandy. I mean, this day turned out to be a surprise day, and it was lovely. <laughs> yes, I got to come down and pay you a surprise visit to drop off a gift, and uh, it was great. Actually, your house is amazing. Um, it Thank looks you. amazing. The, the It is full-on Christmas. Uh, I... I felt like my heart grew three sizes just going to your place. It was amazing. And, uh, but no, it was, uh, that was awesome. That was exactly the effect I wanted. That moment of, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> In a good way. I couldn't, I couldn't find my words the entire time we were talking. I was just like, I'm still in shock. Like, no one comes to my house. No one. <laughs> well, I did. I, yeah, it was so. a good surprise. I liked it. 
It was lovely. And I even got a couple of minutes with Mama Jedi. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of points. That's fantastic. Um, Kayla, just before we get into uh, our guests, uh, you and I, we can now say that we were part of the schedule release video um, and mostly you, which was better because n nobody wants to see this face. But uh, I was excited how you were like, I loved how they got when you were going around and finding uh, the locker and you need to tell everyone which locker it was you were looking for. All right, let's end the suspense. Of course it was Fred Stamps. That's the first thing I asked is, I saw a plaque of Ricky Ray, and I'm like, there's got to be a Fred Stamps. Where is he? And then um, Richard? Yeah. Richard? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was like, well, you got to find it. And I just happened to take the right route, and I was like, all right. Yeah. It was, I was a kid in, in a candy store. It was just phenomenal. I love seeing all those names and then getting to meet Willie Pless. Oh, if he wasn't a football player, he should have been a comedian because that man is hilarious. Such a good-hearted dude. So, yes. yes. But, of course, it was Fred Stamps I was looking for. Pish. Of course it was. It could have been Holy Mazzoli. We didn't know. <laughs> I, I highly think... doubt he, wouldn't ha he would have a plaque. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Like yet. Oh, interesting. That's going to start some interesting conversation right away. Let's bring in our guests so that we can get to yes. this conversation. Yes. Uh, joining us as they usually, well, actually, I guess they've done every season. We have done a season wrap-up show uh, with the voice of the Elks, uh, Morley Scott and Dave Campbell from 630 Ched. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank Great you so to be much. Here. Thanks for the invite, as always. Oh, we, we love having you guys on uh, for lots of chatting and, and seeing how you're doing. How? Let's start with um, the basic question. How are you guys feeling after the whole season? Because uh, I know it, it's not always easy for us. It can't always be easy for you guys. It was it was a short season, right? This year, 14 games. Felt like about 34 games. <laughs> uh, you're doing a season wrap-up, and it feels like the season ended like three months ago already. Uh, yep. it, it's it's weird. Timelines were weird this year. It was a difficult year, uh, I think, for everybody involved with the organization, whether you're you know, a player, coach, or broadcaster, or especially a fan. Uh, it, was, it was a tough year, strange year. So many weird things going on because of COVID, and it just made just made it for a strange, strange season for sure. And I'm not really all that. I'm, I'm, I don't like the fact they didn't make the playoffs and finish three and eleven. But I'm not really all that upset that that it ended because uh, I'm 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 glad to get out of what was and hopefully get back to what is moving forward into next year and, and into better situation, better circumstances and a few less protocols to deal with. <laughs> well, well, and also you, you, you know, your break started sooner. It's not like you had to go right to right before Christmas, which, you know, like you got a few extra weeks in there. It's not a bad thing either. That is true. <laughs> not what we want, but anyway, uh, Dave, tell, tell me how you're doing. Well, yeah, doing good. I mean, first off, compared to 2020 i'll i'll take 2021 even though it was a yes. very difficult year um i'll take it uh, you know 10 times out of 10 for sure that being said uh the on-field product was tough to watch uh, we'll always have labor day though uh, we can always <laughs> say that the elks beat the stampeders on labor day but like honestly Thank you, Calvin, they, for continuing his streak yes there you go yeah. uh but you know I, i've been covering the team since 2004 and and before that, going to many many games as a fan, and uh, this was the worst team I've ever seen on the field. They they, they were that bad, you know. And uh, all the noise around the club, the the outbreak didn't help. Uh, you know, we kind of got caught up in it a little bit. Uh, 
as well, Morley and I, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it was just a very difficult road trip or, or uh, uh, season and the road trip, the three and seven, I like, I remember Morley and I are talking, I'm going, boy, that's going to be tough. He's going, no, no, Dave, it's going to be great. Cause it's going to be three games in seven days and we're done. <laughs> so, and I'm like, yep, that's, that pretty much flipped my mindset. So, um, you know, it, it was great to get back to, to, to what we normally do in a, in a, in a season, you know, in the summer and in the fall, uh, as difficult as it was, it was good to be back in the booth with Morley doing what we do, getting back traveling again, that, you know, everything was just a little bit, well, not a little bit, a lot different, but at least we got to do some games. Uh, game day felt, you know, great, even though it was, you know, there was a tinge of dread, but when the balls kicked off, you forget about everything. Yeah. And it's just nice to do a flow of flow of the game and, uh, get back into the swing of things. So it was it was really good in that respect. But uh, yeah, it was a very difficult season on a number of levels. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for all of us, right? Because even just talking about it um, was it. It's every time you want to talk, it's like okay, we need to let's let's talk about the team, and then you're like, oh, but do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure you guys felt the same. Um, what was what was it like doing? Because I I know you guys you you're used to having that like that close one on one interview. What what was it like trying to run through this where you you couldn't really have that that good conversation? That, that for me, tough. that's what I miss most during the season is just having those conversations with players coming off the field and getting some stories from them, whatever, about their families or about their game or or whatever that, that we'd be able to share because we just had no contact like that whatsoever. Um, I really miss that. That's, you know, to me, that's one of the favorite things is finding out those little nuggets about players and being able to turn that into, into a story that we can use on the broadcast. But we just weren't allowed to get them. Everything we got this year was in a group setting, uh, was from 12 feet apart, uh, you know, with the, with the soundboard. And it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't the same. And, and I think, uh, you know, for everybody, that's, it's just, you, you know, you're used to doing things a certain way and we just weren't able to do it that way this year. Um, I, I got to say the Elks and, and uh, their new uh, uh, media relations guy, uh, Evan Dom did a great job in, in still making sure we got what we needed for the most part for the broadcast. I mean, we had every week, Dave and I had, uh, you know, zoom calls with the, with the head coach and with the starting quarterback and we're able to do our interviews uh, for the pregame show and able to have some discussion with the head coach as well. So, they they made it work. We all made it work, but it was just not the same as it was. The the thing that the, maybe the to the typical story I can tell you tell you how different the year was, and it's back to Labor Day in Calgary. I'm in the hotel in Calgary, and I I'm on the elevator going down. The elevator stops a couple floors below me. Three players got on. I could tell they're players because they're all in elk gear. Uh, they got masks on, and they sat. And I thought to myself, I have no idea who these guys are. Because I haven't seen them except for on the field with their helmets on and their numbers on. They have masks on. We haven't been able to have that one-on-one approach. So here I am, uh, one of the radio voices of the team, in an elevator with three players. I have no idea who they are, and they don't have any idea who I am as well. You know, and it was just, uh, it was just, it just that's that's when it kind of struck me what a weird, weird season it was because. You just never got to talk to players. You never got to talk to players one on one, and and it it really, I think it really hurt not just in Edmonton but across the CFL. It hurt 
the storytellers who are, you know, mm-hmm. getting the stories and talking to fans right. and telling, sharing those stories because there's so many great stories from players in the Canadian Football League and they just, they just never got out this year or, or didn't get out as, as much as they normally do. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, at the start of the season, we're doing Zoom calls for the first week and then we, um, you know, it's funny because they were supposed to have a scrimmage, I believe, on the first Saturday of camp. That got mm-hmm. called off because of the smoke. And they only only had one scrimmage, so I mean, right from week one, it was just weird, right? And but you know, you're doing Zoom calls, and then the on-field setup was was actually pretty good. It was better than Zoom. Um, then when the outbreak happened, we 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 went back to Zoom for a couple of weeks, but everything was just you know the the travel was different, obviously. And I think at the start of the season, because the road or the or the teams that we were going to, you know, their their availabilities didn't happen the day before; they happen you know, two days before the game. And that kind of changed our plan because usually we're, you know, we're going two days before the game. We're going the day before. Then we kind of went back to the two days again. And uh, it was really cool in Ottawa because we actually got to go to TD Place the day before. And we were the first road media to go to an availability. And Paul Apolise was quite cordial and and very nice to us and uh, welcomed us and but you know, we didn't really have a lot of that, and you miss that, and you kind of miss the interaction with the with the with the other teams' media because you get a lot of rapport with them, and you get a lot of you know nice info and and uh, just good camaraderie there. But we, we didn't have it. I mean, you know, going back to Labor Day, it's funny. You know, Morley's talking about uh, Labor Day. I went the day before the game, and I've never done that before because <laughs> there's just no point going, you know, Saturday because the the stamps were doing really nothing. Uh, on the Sunday, and that that kind of made the trip a little weird. Now they won; the Elks won, so that drive home for once was was rather lovely. <laughs> and then after that, we know what happened. Um, so yeah, it's you know I, I hope I hope by the time we get to May that we're going to you know be far enough ahead of this that we can start relaxing some protocols because it was tough. And even you know on the road, we you know. Morley and I didn't get together and, you know, Jerry Montajon from post media, he's, he's on the trip as well. We didn't get together like we usually would. We kind of stuck to our own little, you know, mini bubbles and uh, to the hotel. And if we went out, we went back, you know, rather quickly. And um, that was, that was kind of tough as well, but uh, you know, yeah, end of the day, you, you just have to be really fluid and really flexible. And uh, we got through it. I think, I think really well. Um, but yeah, it's uh it definitely didn't make it didn't make the job, I guess, a, a full experience just because of there's just so much you had to think about and, and adhere to. So, but anyway, we'll see what happens in 2022. I really hope we're going to be farther ahead of of this damn thing. And we we don't want to come off as whiners because I mean everybody in the world had to go through you know similar things in their jobs, right? It was it was different for everybody, but it still was it was still tough to deal with. It's nice to hear different experiences, though, too, right? Like how you guys dealt with it and what changed in your lives, because you said everybody had something, but it's almost that way of relating to each other, too, is, mm-hmm. yeah, it was completely different. And, yeah, I mean, I was, I like, damn, I was great for football coming back, but at the same time, it just felt like you were back, but you had that separation of your family, and it was strange. Yeah, no, it, it was in that, in that respect. It, it felt very distant at times. And it was, it was hard, but you know, the one thing that I think a lot of people have, have kind of had this mindset and some have, and unfortunately, but 
you know, you really have to narrow down your focus even more. So what is my job today? You know, mm-hmm. what is my job right now? You know, be where your feet are kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, and honestly, as, as tough as the week could be, and not, you know, the road was harder than, than home because home, I get to go home. We, we, we get to go home. The road was at times a challenge and it really wasn't like a huge challenge, but it was just so different because we don't have the interaction we usually have, you know, because we're adhering to CFL protocols and then we're hearing Morley and I are adhering to our, you know, company's protocols and, you know, uh, you know, we're just doing the best we can that way. But um, it, I think the narrow focus really helped me just to get through each moment. Um, and I don't think I ever had a moment where I was like, you know, felt really overly down after games. There might be some times that you kind of felt that way just because it's like, oh, 30 to three in Winnipeg. That's great. Um, I'm on the road for this. Come on. But I'll tell you, like I felt, and I don't know how Morley felt, but I kind of sensed that he probably felt the same way when it was game time. It was fun again. And then you go through the flow of the game and you bat and a lot of bad things happen. Some good things happen. And, you know, it's not like every game was, was terrible. You know, I mean, the, there were some fun games to do. Those two games at home against Winnipeg were fun. And the game in Regina was fun. Um, and then there's some games that were dogs. I mean, the, the game in Winnipeg was awful. The The last two games of the three and seven were oh. dreadful. They were just awful games to call, even though the Elks won in Toronto. Um, but a, a full disclosure, okay? The the game in Vancouver, the final game of the season, and it went bad. I mean, they were down, what, 14 zip in the first <laughs> yep. five yeah. minutes. I don't think there, it was even five minutes old. And honestly, first break, I looked at Moreland. I said, I, I just done. Like, I just don't know what, what I can do. Like, this is crazy. And that was the real, that was the biggest mental hurdle I had to get over is, is I had this feeling of, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. But in your head, you go, you have to do this, Dave. No one cares about your feelings. No one, you shouldn't even care about your feelings. Thank you very much, but you got to do your job. So, but it was very hard because that was, that was a very rough game game. and almost predictable to be honest. So anyway, but yeah, it was, you you learned a lot of things. I I learned, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, um, you know, how to rely on, you know, Morley, uh, more and just how to rely on the people around you. And, you know, there's, um, yeah, the narrow focus really saved me a lot, you know, as it's like, what, what is my job from this time to this time? And then that's the only thing I'm focusing on right now. The games are always the best part of the job, right? That's, yeah. you know, th- this past year, even more so because when, once, once we lit the rocket, that was the only thing normal, right? All season long. Like the games were normal. Uh, everything else around the games from, from the travel with the protocols, from the interviews with the protocols, from, you know, you know, we even, it, weird thing. I'm such a creature habit. It even set me off for the first uh, three quarters of the season. We had to sit in a different place to watch practice because the press box wasn't open to us because that was for tier one during the week. And even that, set me off i didn't enjoy that because it's a different angle it was on the other side of the field it was in the corner and and it was just it was just the games were what you lived for this year because they were the only normal things that that happened all season long in in the job part of it so uh, the games even though the results weren't good they were it was certainly good to be doing it and as dave said 21 was better than 20 but 21 was just 
to me, it just kind of felt like a tease. Uh, you know, it's like you're back, but you can't have everything. You know, you, you can't have everything you wanted and everything you missed. You know, to me, like the conversations with the players and talking to them and, and getting to know them and telling their stories, that to me is is a big part of the job and what I really like to do. But couldn't do it this year, you know, to a certain extent. You know, we I, I got a couple of times I got, you know, one on ones on Zoom with some players, but that was about it. And and you know, that, at that point you're recording interviews and it's a it's a whole different different atmosphere. So um yeah, it was, it was a weird year. It was a weird year and just hoping next year is as back to as close to normal as, as we as we can hope for. <laughs> on on every level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um the uh I, I will give you guys credit. You, you pulled it off. Whenever I listened, mm-hmm. I, it didn't sound like Dave was going to be like, screw this. They suck. Like it didn't sound that way. So good for Whoa. you. Like that was good. impressive. As much as we might've. Yeah. Pulled them again, Dave. We pulled them again. <laughs> yes. I'm a professional. <laughs> uh, okay. Super fan. Do you want to have any questions on the year before we get into the new news? Any questions? Yeah. Just about anything far away. Is it over yet? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, there's just so many. I think it's just get into the conversation and we'll go from there. There's a lot that are going to come up, especially about all the things we're going to be talking about in the next little bit. Yes. Okay. So um, a couple of things. We'll we'll start with obviously the big news, which is, of course, uh, the letting go of the president, the GM, and the coach. and uh, we talked a little bit, you know, preamble to getting on the show and and some of the difficulties that each of those gentlemen faced and 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 now are no longer here due to that. Um, I, I guess my my first question is, is uh, for, to you guys, were you surprised that it was all three? Start with you, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was. Um, and I heard before it happened there was rumblings that someone was going um it might have been one might have been two and i heard three was on the table i'm going wow to do all three that's going to be tough to do you know to to let go brock sunderland and jimmy elizondo was going to be tough with two years remaining and you have that football operations cap which is uh Mm -hmm. i understand why it's there but it's extremely problematic um now chris Preston's salary doesn't count on that but Really, what the what the organization did was they looked at the the damage to the brand, and all you had to do was listen to Ian Murray, the board chair, who I thought was very honest, very honest and very candid, and I think it was well explained why they had to do this. And what I found interesting: how much talk was there about the on field? How much talk was there about three and eleven? Yeah, it was I secondary. Agree. It was yep. secondary. Uh, this organization, the connection between the organization and the fan base and, you know, Andrew, Mike and Kayla, you know, this better than I do, you know, and I, I talk to a lot of fans, but you know, I'm in the media and I'm kind of, you know, I have a, a, a different focus than, than, than a fan, even though I still want the Elks to win. I will not, I won't, I won't be afraid to admit that I'm not an unbiased neutral. Um, but it was clear the the erosion of the relationship between the fan base and the team. Uh, it was slow over the last decade or so. I would mm-hmm. say, you know, since 2010 or 11, I think Ian Murray said that. It just completely it erupted in 2021. People were just sick of it. And, you know, the, the club had every reason financially not to do it. 
They had every reason. They said they they could have Ian Murray could have come out and said, We're not gonna do it. We're gonna give them one more year. And you know, we're asking you to stay with us, and we understand this is not acceptable. Uh, and we're gonna we're we're gonna try and do better, kind of thing. But um, they chose the morality and the ethics, you know, the ethical uh, reasons more than the on-field stuff. And I think that was a very bold move. And, you know, it, 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 it makes the next decision somewhat difficult. And yet I think someone not somewhat not difficult. So it was a really gutsy, bold move to make that, that drastic of change to get rid of three key positions. Yeah, I was surprised too that it was all three. You uh, know, uh, and, and the way it happened, especially after you know the season ended on what on a Friday, uh, they held the availability on Sunday, and mm-hmm. both Brock Sunderland and Jamie Elizondo talked about moving forward. And I think we all assumed, okay, they've been told they're here because of what they said on Sunday, and then to hear what happened on Monday was was really surprising. I think the thing that sticks out with me through it all the most is how the franchise listened to the fans. And I mean, there was an uproar, uh, uh, you know, and you can't take everything you read on Twitter as gospel or on Facebook uh, because it's a toxic environment at times, as we all know. But uh, I mean, the the fans were unhappy. There was unrest among the fan base. And I think the fact that so many bought tickets and didn't show up for the final two or three home games really uh, hit home with the, with the board. And I, and I think they decided that, Hey, we got to listen to our customers here. We've got to do what they want uh, and, uh, and make some changes. And, and they did that. So kudos to them because it's a pretty brave move to make. Uh, you know, you put a lot of pressure on your organization, firing those three guys, puts a lot of pressure on the organization first off to run as an organization without anyone in that leadership role both on the business side well they have people who, who came in on an interim basis uh, but it, it puts a lot of pressure on everybody uh, to continue the franchise running and, and Alan Watts done a, a real good job uh, you know in in the weeks since he was he was made the, I think it's the, he's the CEO or acting CEO, CEO or whatever yeah. whatever his title yeah. CEO yeah. yeah whatever his title is and, and and he's done a good job and they've done a good job on the football operation side but it puts a lot of pressure on everybody to do your job plus chip in and do the other three jobs as well and on top of all that they have to search for new faces three new guys to come in or two possibly to come in and and, and fill those roles so it, it stretches the organization thin it was a pretty brave move to make and and i hope uh, at the end of the day when they put everyone in their place it works out well for the franchise because um, this franchise has had a lot of things not to their not to their doing, but a lot of things go wrong for them over the last five years. From you know, you go back to seventeen and all the injuries they they went through, and then you know the name change and the pressure from that and the chatter all around that. You know the COVID situation, the Scott Milanovic deciding he didn't want to coach here after he signed a contract, and then decided he was going back to the NFL. A lot of things went wrong that really were out of their control. And I think this organization, they need a little bit of luck. They need a little bit of, uh, they need the ball to bounce the right way for them a little bit, uh, which it hasn't done in the last several years, really. Well, I, and I, I agree with you. They had a lot of those things. They, they, they didn't do a lot of things to help themselves though, either. Like, True. <laughs> so, um, Mike, you and, and at I, the end of the day, as the old yeah. saying goes, right? Your record is what your record is too, yeah, right? When, absolutely. When on field. But it's even more than the record on the field, right? It's, yeah. yep. They had Fan Appreciation Day on the November 5th game versus Saskatchewan, and there wasn't a whole lot of appreciation 
that we're showing him. It's like discount on a bunch of food and, you know, mm-hmm. drinks. And that's basically it. Uh, other teams did some great things. But but I think, like you said, it's it's not just one thing. It's so many things that happened this year between uh, COVID. So people are already skittish about being there. The fact you had to be double vaccinated and in the stands during the game, you noticed how much younger the average crowd was. You didn't see a, nearly as many people over the age of, say, 50 that you normally would see. And that's the bread and butter of the CFL, the name change, the coaching change, the record of the team, uh, things that happened behind the scenes that had gotten out. Uh, they bring up Dwayne Mandrusiak all the time um, on social media and in, in the newspaper. Terry Jones brings it up all the time. And just all these things together, I think, just made a huge difference on why you were seeing the attendance go so far down in the last little bit, even though they were announcing, you know, 23, 24,000 people. I mean, you guys were looking out at the crowds. There's no way there it was, was that sad. People. It was like 8,000 at that point. And, yep. and it's tough. So um, I'm, I'm hoping for a lot better things in 2022. And I think this is their chance to start making some right choices and some smart choices. I agree. So let's, let's talk about those because yes. no, no need to dwell on all that old crap. Right. Let's get to the new stuff. Uh, like you said, <laughs> Dave, let's get, let's move forward. Um, you know, we can, we can flush 2021 now and carry on and because uh, <laughs> it really was a pile of crap. So um, let's go to uh, uh, lots of, lots of new choices. Um, lots of things being talked about. Um, of course, uh, you know, word kind of got out today that they're down to a couple of people that they're doing final interviews for. Uh, sounds like, uh, is, it, is it Ted Govea? Is that the right yes. name? Yeah, thank you. Uh, Ted Kavea and Chris Jones um, in line for that GM role. Of course, if it's Chris Jones, then you're looking at a, a GM slash head coach role. Um, Possibly DC. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, so let's start with the fun on talking about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dave's like, I'm I, I need ready. some of this. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I'm re- I have, ready to make people mad. At I me. have a cider. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's make this easy and start with Morley. What's the question, Andrew? What's what? What do you think? What What do you think about some of these names that are coming around, or or and and kind of the process that they're going through to to hire these guys? We know we have to get the GM in place right away, and the president. Yeah. They're looking, you know, down the road, and and there has obviously been some names there too. But, but what do you think as they're getting down to kind of these nitty gritties with the uh, GM head coach? Well, it sounds like they've, they've done a thorough search. It sounds like they've interviewed a lot of candidates. Uh, I don't know how many, but I know that, that there's been some interest and they've interviewed some people. And it sounds like they've been pretty extensive interviews over the last couple of days. And it appears it's Chris Jones or Ted Govia as the, as the new GM, uh, and and it's two different two different routes really, right? It's a guy with experience, a guy with a track record, a guy who will be your head coach as well, versus a guy who's been in the league for a long time, uh, but has never been a general manager before, but has a pretty good track record in what he's done in in player personnel and scouting. So, you know, you gotta you gotta decide which direction you want to go. And I know Dave and I were talking earlier today, and we kind of. You know, we're talking about the fact that, okay, if you want the quick turnaround, maybe it's Chris Jones. If you want the patient turnaround, maybe it's it's Ted Govia. I'm not sure. Uh, you want to win as many games as possible in next season. There's no doubt about that, no matter who you hire, right? So it's up to the board, I think, to decide what's best for the football operations and 
for the business side of, of the of the team as well. And those two have to mix better, I think, moving forward. And I think uh, they have to they have to be have more communication with each other and 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 be available to to stay transparent to the fan base, to be able to be out in the community, to go to things, uh, to be involved in things. Although you couldn't really do a lot of that last year anyway, or the last two years because of COVID, obviously. So uh, there is that uh, that part of it as well. But uh, yeah, it's to me, it's a toss up. I'm not I'm not really sure uh, which way is the best way to go. I think I, you know both ways have been proven in past years around the league to be successful. Both have proven not to be successful. Uh, I I like Chris Jones as a coach. There's no doubt about that. He's a good coach. He wins a lot of games. And if you go back to the last time the Elks had a season this bad was obviously 2013 when they went four and 14 and then brought Jones in two years later, they, you know, the next year they were in the West final the year after that, they win the gray cup. So he has that experience. He did it in Saskatchewan as well. After a real bad year, his first year and, and getting everything in place that he wanted, he built uh, what is now a pretty good team in Saskatchewan as well. Uh, so there's, you know, there's arguments for both. Uh, Govia has a great track record as a talent evaluator and a guy who helped Winnipeg rebuild. Uh, he's been there for, I think, about eight years or so. He's got a couple of Grey Cup rings. Also won a Grey Cup ring with Toronto in 2012 when he was, uh, I think he was running backs coach and, and, and a Canadian scout, uh, heading up Canadian scouting at that point as well. So they both have their good points and, and they both have their bad points. And I know everyone, I think if it's Chris Jones, everybody gets a little trepidatious about his track record of, of not hanging around longer than two or three years. Uh, but if you, if, if you know what's going to happen, I mean, now you expect it. And if you have the right guys in place to step in for him, uh, especially at the GM level, and I think if you hire him as a GM head coach, you got to have a, a real good assistant GM in place. I mean, yes. Like Saskatchewan had Jeremy O'Day, and and when Jones left, O'Day was able to step up and and move into that GM position, and they haven't really missed a beat. And I think if you do hire Jones, you got to have that guy in place as well, uh, just in case he leaves. And and who knows? Uh, maybe Chris Jones. He, let's be honest, he's looked around. He's looked around an awful lot in the last six or seven years, right? And uh, maybe he's in a position where he wants to settle down. He doesn't want to keep moving around, and he wants to 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 run a franchise and 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 continue to do so and not, you know, it's got to be tough on him and his life as well. If, you, if you're moving every two or three years as well. So maybe he's to a position where he wants to settle down and, and, and uh, the board likes that and says, okay, why don't you settle down here and, and move forward with him? So, you know, just because he has left every, all of his jobs after two or three years, doesn't mean he's going to do it again this time. So, you know, maybe it'll change. Who knows? Oh, well, now there's we're, a, now we're going to go to Dave yeah, go with the wrestling spin on this. Okay. No, <laughs> heel turn. Well, Ted Govia would be the face, and Chris Jones would be the heel. Correct. There, there you what? Yeah. There you go. He I would agree. be the bad guy. Okay. Well, um, I, no, I, I, I want to start. Go so I want to st- bad guy, but okay, yes, but yes. I know. It. Okay. There you go. Well, <laughs> some some people I've been uh, talk or not talking to. I don't interact all that much on Twitter anymore to people I don't follow or Lies. follow me. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, ah, there's, there's, ah, I, that guy left us. That guy, you know, there's a lot of scorn lover sure. is what I want to say, yeah. uh, from 2015. And I understand that completely, but I'm going to park my thoughts on Chris Jones just for a second. Cause I want to talk about Govia first. He's, he's a, you know, I look at him, he and Danny McManus, along with Kyle Walters, who was the GM. Um, have done a great job with that roster. And I look at Govia. He arrived in 2013. 
the Bombers were bad. Mm-hmm. And I believe Mike O'Shea arrived in 14. Then he was a coach in 15. And then partway through 16, they started to really play well. And I remember, because I think uh, they were going to come to Edmonton and they're going to lose and they're going to get their ass kicked. And then Mike O'Shea was going to get fired during the bye week. Right. The opposite right. happened. Matt Nichols had a great game against uh, against Edmonton and they won and they haven't looked back from there. So Govia took over or helped uh, when, they, when they took over or assumed the position of AGM. That was a terrible team with a bad roster, a bad culture. And he's a part of a group that, that, that built the, the best culture in the league. Now agreed. They are the standard bearer. They are what you want to be. If you're a football team, Calgary is close behind, I believe, but I, they are now who you want to be. They built a tremendous team. Uh, you look at their Canadian content, you look at their key positions um, and how they fill them. They got the quarterback and Kalaros. Um, they got the coach and Mike O'Shea, who's his, uh, you know, personality of Melba toast, but he's, uh, he's, you know, he's, he, he, he gets the buy-in from everybody. And is it any shock that the Bombers did as well as they did with the coaching staff they have off of a year off? No. You know, and maybe we overplayed the Elks because of all this, you know, we looked at talent alone, you know, they should be better and they should have been better. But, you know, the coaching staff, brand new with a coach that just showed up in February, right? In Elizondo, not his fault, but, you know, and that's just the way it is. Uh, so I like what Govia has done along with Walters and McManus. And I think he would be a very good general manager. And I know what, what, you know, what, what irritates me about CFL fans sometimes, well, I don't know him, so he can't be that good. No, knowing him doesn't mean a damn thing. It's what he's done, okay? His record is, 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 is it's proven. He's been in Winnipeg for eight years, took over, uh, or you know, assumed the AGM role for a bad football team, and now they're the best football team in the country. Chris Jones, though. Chris Jones. <laughs> Here we go. Chris Jones. Um, I'm just waiting for Superfan to start throwing comments in. He's, it's coming. Well, <laughs> I got nothing I mean, to say yet. Nothing yet? Okay. He's the guy. He's the guy. In my opinion, he's the guy the team wants. I believe from day one, there's enough on the board that wants this man as, as the guy to lead. I truly believe that. And I do believe there's a slight hesitation from, from what I'm hearing within the board. They're not sure if they want to go with a first time GM again, you know, and we know the situation with Brock Sunderland. It was a sudden thing with Ed Hervey leaving or getting fired and they had to quickly fill that position. So Brock Sunderland at the time was the, the best candidate available. Um, I, I don't know if they want to go that route right now. I, I just don't. Chris Jones has comes with a lot of warning labels. You know, <laughs> that is, he might that's leave the title of the podcast. A lot yeah, of warning exactly. labels. Yeah. But you know, I I look at his track record and everywhere he goes, winning happens. Um, I think he turned around a Saskatchewan Rough Riders team. And I think in a lot of respect, that is still his team, even in 2021. And they're, they're pretty good. Um, and I think from the cost savings standpoint, we can't ignore the football operations cap. Okay. He's, he will be, if he gets hired, your GM, your head coach, likely your defensive coordinator, and you probably only have to pay him what? 
just under 700,000 for that, maybe a bit less instead of spreading that out over three people. And then you're spending what more than that. It, but you know, unfortunately we have to bring that in because this, this, this football ops cap is just brutal in my opinion. You know, the, the, the Elks did the, what they believe was a moral and ethical, ethical thing to do more than what was on the field. And unfortunately they're getting penalized for it. I know it's the way it's set up. It's not the league penalizing, but I think we're seeing the flaw in this. How can you cut a player and and scrub his salary from your books, but you have Mm -hmm. to keep on two members of your football operations department and it's dead money on your cap. It doesn't make any sense to me, especially when, or, you know, I I get it and I don't get it. There's got to be some ways around this. You know, there's got to be some, there might be some, yeah, there. Yeah, and I think, I think that's what Ian Murray said on, on the day when everyone was fired. He said, we're talking to the league about this, how to, how to handle this. Um, and I think to sell the fans off of a bad year, I think Chris Jones is the one to do it, in my opinion. That, that's just how I feel. From, and my, you know, I'm not trying to base an opinion necessarily on this is how I feel, but I'm trying to base it on things that I've heard and, and the situation here. And I just think the situation calls for someone who's been there, done that, and and has a track record of turning things around rather quickly. Now, comparatively, to 2013 to 2022, or 2021, sorry. Um, in 2013, that was a 4-14 four and 14 team, but they had something there. The Magic was starting to formulate. Like, you know, a lot. Yeah. Like a little bit. They of- had a core. They were talented. This group, as we sit, it's a it's a bad bad roster so i'm saying whoever gets hired 2022 elks fans you might want to buckle up brace yourself it may not be the season that you think it should be maybe we'll get surprised but it's it's about building something and i think chris jones built something special in in regina and he left unfortunately and i think he would i don't know i don't know if chris jones ever regrets anything but um (laughs) That seemed like a silly thing, you know, now when you look back on it, although, you know, he, he got the chance to be in the NFL and, and be a coach. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's a proven commodity in this league. And about the community side of things, you know, I know he's a guy that if the world was ending, he would have no idea about it because he's sitting in his office and all he's doing is preparing for the next game. He would, you know, that's just the kind of coach he is. And a lot of football coaches are like that. I remember enough practices, post-practice, when, you know, fans would come and watch and, oh, I brought my kids and can I get an autograph? He was so accommodating. You know, he said, no problem at all. You know, whoever you want to talk to, you can talk to. So I do think he he does understand that side of it, that, you know, you know the, the community side of it enough that he would be he would be fine as long as he remembers Monday Morning Magic. There you go. <laughs> and and let's be honest, he made, he made a mistake on Monday Morning Magic, but uh, Ed Hervey also made a mistake by not, coming stepping up and saying no we have to go right uh, the whole organization made a mistake on that money and you can't hold him totally responsible for that that can't follow him forever he made that well he had no idea what it was about he had no idea what it meant to the community uh the team should have you know told him said hey we have to go to this this is what we do every year so that being aside i i think there's a little leeway and we can't keep going back to to monday morning madness but they have to do it that's for sure uh and the, the backlash i hear about chris jones is always about how he left and and i mean 
I blame Gary Lawless because he broke the story before it happened during Grey Cup week, right? And no one would have known about it at that point. It would have been just a, a regular move. But because it came out before the Grey Cup game, everyone was a little bit up in arms about it. And let's be honest, uh, he was the head coach of the Edmonton Elks or the Edmonton football team at the time. And he got an offer to have a better job with a lot more money as, as head coach and general manager and vice president of football operations in Saskatchewan. It was a better job offer for more money, just like you, 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 and you, if you got that offer, you'd probably take it. And you can't really hold, hold him, hold his feet to the fire for that because he furthered himself and, and, you know, he, he, he did the best thing that, that, that he wanted to do for his career and for his family. And that's, that's all you can say. Um, everybody else in the same position probably would have done the same thing. We've seen it happen so many times uh, uh, over the years in the Canadian Football League. So I don't really blame him for that. I, I, I just didn't like the way it came out as it was rumored before the game and how, you know, kudos to Gary Lawless, who's a great reporter, obviously, and stood on the sidelines and said it's happening and most of the staff is going with him and the guy on the other side of the field is going to be the new head coach at Edmonton and Jason Moss and uh, kudos to him because he had a great scoop and he nailed it all. But I think that's what sits more with everyone, you know, in a negative light is the fact that the way it happened and the way it came out instead of just happening, you know, the week after the season saying, yeah, he's talking about with Saskatchewan about this job. So that's my thoughts on that. I, I, I don't think you can hold him. You can't hold his feet to the fire for everything that he's done in the past uh, forever. Right. And I think he's, he's kind of, he's kind of set talked about, you know, the second year they did go to Monday morning madness and he realized what a special event it was and, you know, kind of talked about the fact that, yeah, we probably should have gone last year and, and we'll keep going. So, you know, there's more to it, right? Always is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you start first because I have a ton of things, but I want to give you a chance to chat and then we'll go to commission. Sure. Um, <laughs> one question I have is the board had said at the very beginning that the GM they get will be someone that will be living in Edmonton. Chris Jones, I mean, people in the chat are referring to him as Chris Suitcase Jones. Um, will he... <laughs> get a place to live here is he going to live out of a hotel again um is he bringing his family here that's something that they said was very important to them ian murray had mentioned that as well during the actual presser uh, i don't know if that's going to happen or not and if that's something that's still important to them that may sway them away from chris jones or maybe he's changed um a lot of people say that if he does get the you know general manager, head coach, defensive coordinator, chief cook, and bottle washer jobs here. There's nothing for him to get promoted to within the league. Mm. But I don't know if the league is his end game. Is something he wants to get back to the States? I don't know. I mean, only he can answer that. And in the interviews, I would imagine that that's going to come up. They say the best predictor of future events is, you know, past behaviors. So, you know, it's all we can kind of go on. So has he grown and changed? I, I don't know. Uh, that being said, I think Chris Jones has proven himself everywhere he's gone. Um, and he's not only turned around a lot of teams, but he's also put things in place so that they will survive him leaving. Uh, maybe we weren't the greatest example of that at that point. Um, <laughs> in 2016, though, we had a pretty solid year and then 2017 as well. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not totally against the concept of it i'm not gonna you know given my season tickets like you see on social media all the time <laughs> that i'm gonna give up going to games <laughs> if someone does this on the team um ted govea on the other hand i think 
do you want something that's going to be a big splash now and maybe settle down after a couple of years? Or do you want something that's going to build slowly like they did in Winnipeg? And now they are a contender and, in fact, a favorite to win the Grey Cup every year at this point. And as we go into 2022, if you asked, you know, 10 people who think they won the Grey Cup next year, they think that Winnipeg's going to three-peat. And there's a very good chance they could do that. And that's because they've built it, some people would say, in the right way. So I don't know. Um it's going to depend who we get as the president, um, uh, how it mitigates who we get as GM and head coach. So there's a lot of pieces to this. And, and I think that we're going to uh, – it's a shame that we didn't find out today because it would have been great to talk about. But yeah, we'll do it the day after we podcast anyway. So we'll find out tomorrow and then we can have another good discussion about this. Yeah, you know, and, and what you're saying about, uh, you know, it, it, it matters to some fans that he lives here. Oh, this is the board that was saying that. I don't know about the fans. Well, I know that. I know. I understand. I don't, but I'm saying is, is the cross-section of fans care about different things. <laughs> so maybe the board cares about that, but maybe a fan, you know, there's a section of fans that go, I don't care. I just want to win. Like, I'm the one that's spending my money anyway and, and investing my time watching the team. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know enough about Chris Jones over the last few years to know if he's changed as much. I mean, I know like he was the head coach at South Pittsburgh at the high school team and he got the right. offer to go to Toronto. He, he couldn't, you know, he left very quickly. Yep. Right. Yep. So I think there's still an element of that within him that he is always looking for maybe the next opportunity. Um, I think he's had his eye on this franchise for a while though. You know, that, that's another thing too, is I, I think he's been, watching what has been going on here uh, from afar. And, I mean, when Milanovic left, he, he wanted to come here, even though it was kind of like kind of blown up a little bit. But I think he's had his eye on this, maybe this kind of position for a while. Uh, I know there's talk that maybe he would, you know, stay in Toronto and be the, you know, what John Murphy was, which is basically the GM, you know, with, uh, with Mike Clemens, Mike Pinball Clemens. But I think he still wants to coach. You know, I think there's still a fire with him that he wants to coach. And, you know, the thing that I debate, I don't know how Morley feels, but, you know, and I've debated this every which way, because this is a, this is a tough one, even though I, I feel the answer's obvious. What does this, what can this fan base handle now compared to mm -hmm. two, three, four years from now? If they struggle in 22 with Ted Govia, are people going to be patient enough with Ted Govia and go, well, now you got another newbie with a, you know, who knows who's going to be the head coach when you had, you know, the chance to get a Chris Jones, for example, you know, and let's eliminate Chris Jones. Is this fan base going to be patient with someone like Ted Govia? Because you like, we all know who he is, but there's a lot of the fan base that, that doesn't and won't do, won't honestly put in the work, the easy work to find out who he is. They just care about W's and L's. I don't know if this fan base can handle it, to be honest with you. If, if, and it could be a tough year in 2022 because the roster turnover, turnover is going to be pretty, pretty significant in my opinion. As it should and, be. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know if the fan base can handle, you know, a tough start to 2022 or it doesn't go the way they think with someone who has never done it before. And that's what I think. And I think maybe that's more important than what happens two to four to five years from now. But even struggling, like if you go six wins, that's an improvement over three, but is that enough? Yeah. Yeah. 
So, and and you, I, do you trust the man in charge? You know, do you trust a Chris Jones who's been there, done that before, and has been through that? Or do you trust a Ted Govia who's been through that but has never been the guy? You know, so Jones's record that's... is certainly more tangible because he's been mm-hmm. the man in charge, right? Govia hasn't sure. been in that position where he's the man in charge, and there's no doubt Chris Jones knows football players and he sure. finds football players and uh, he brings them to the Canadian Football League and they they he finds not only finds good talented guys but he finds guys to fit his system and the way he wants them to play and and you can't deny that at all uh, and I think that's. That's one point that, you know, he has in his favor. Govia, though, you, you know, he was with a group that brought a lot of great players in. And, you know, there's no doubt about that in Winnipeg as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see which way they go. Uh, the, the Jones angle, though, I think is, I don't know if you call it the safer bet or not, just because he's got the track record of winning and, and, and he's a, been able to turn couple of franchises the last two franchises he went to he's able to turn them around in in the elks and the saskatchewan rough riders so he's done it before um you know govia was part of that turnaround in winnipeg but just a small part of it right as as you know the one of two assistant general managers to the gm and and, and everything so i don't know it's uh it's interesting i i i really don't know which way they're going to lead uh which way they're going to lean on this because you know it's a hard choice to make i mean it's a hard choice to make and they got to get it right too, right? You know, it's because they don't have a lot of room for error moving forward. So the uh, what I basically just heard you say is that Chris Jones has the chance to be the next Henry Burris. Just turns around teams, gets there, turns around all the teams, right? <laughs> Good old Hank. Just ask Henry. He'll tell you all Just ask Hamilton. That's anyway. right. That's right. See, I'm pretty good at that. I see Andrew. Uh, yes. Stuff it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, that's you the need title the point, of the podcast. You need the point. Oh, that's right. You need the point. Uh, yeah. I, I turned around that team. Um, uh, Kamish, what do you think about all this before I rant on? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I already know what you want to say. So it's like, how do I no, form you, an opinion no, without like kind of tipping no. on? Go ahead. Well, okay. So I think I may have – I'm in a different – Situ- not situation. I, I'm in a different grouping where I obviously am a millennial. I come from a different generation. I see different things um, from my generation and younger, but also the older. So I'm kind of in this like weird mix of people, especially on social media, where I see maybe different opinions that you know come from different areas. I think the Elks have a, a really, it's obvious, but a really difficult task because who do you appease right now? Because I think with the older generation perhaps is looking for that rock foundation, that slow, steady build of bringing back the culture and bringing back what uh, this organization used to be having um, the, the community built around it. Whereas I see my generation and the younger wanting to be appeased immediately and instant gratification. So those W's, in my opinion, not like from my opinion, but what I see as more important is the winning culture, not so much the community. As much as they want to boast on about it, it's always the instant gratification coming from that winning mentality. And the Elks have been quite they want to attract that younger crowd clearly with some of the uh, uh, halftime, you know, 
talent <laughs> that they've brought. Hanson was good. Come on. Hey, I, I, I thought it was a good move because you could clearly see what crowd they were trying to attract. And I, you know what, the amount of money, a little ridiculous, but I can see where they were going with it. And I applaud trying to do something. Um, but they're really in a bind right now of what way to go. Because, again, like you guys said, with CJ, you're probably going to get those wins and you're going to get that instant gratification and you're going to get that instant bill. But how long is that going to last? And is it going to last? And can we maintain that? But, again, how many players are you going to keep? And, and what kind of culture are you going to build around the players? What kind of locker room are you going to have? Are you going to keep the same coaches? Like, it's it's such a big question right now that I – I'm an old soul, so I'm kind of, even though I'm a millennial, I feel like I'm more in the different generation because I would prefer that slow build, that that rock, that building that winning team, that winning culture, that winning organization under a steady burn that lasts a little bit longer than that instant gratification of getting those W's, but then two years down the road, it's going to be back in the same situation or a different situation. And I just think there's a, a lot that this organization organization has to contend to right now. And I honestly don't envy them because it's a huge task. And I, I don't know. I personally actually think they're going to go with Chris Jones personally. Um, but yeah, I just, it's a weird, you can't appease all generations, but who are you going to, target mostly like I don't know that's just my thoughts of of seeing things from a different perspective because I know that you're going to lose a lot of people if you don't start winning unfortunately I don't agree with that I'm not a fair weather fan I stick with my team through thick and thin regardless if they suck I mean my friggin saints aren't don't tell me what <laughs> happened in that game but they're not I mean we lost Drew Brees and that's a huge thing but I'm not changing teams because something you know, is going awry. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's sad and unfortunate. And I think this organization blew up on both points where they sucked and then they sucked as a whole. So, (laughs) but in saying that when you blow things up, you can start fresh, but I just don't know if the younger generation wants to wait for a winning team. You know what, Kayla, to your point and, and your points are all well taken. I think you can do it quickly because the quicker you raise the bar of expectation, the faster everyone in the organization comes up to that bar. If they if they hire whoever they hire, if they win ten games next year, then the bar is there. Now every team after that has to try and hit that bar with that group of players that are together. So you don't have to go three wins, six wins, ten wins. You can go three wins right, to right. ten wins. Yeah. And you can set that bar early and you can maintain that for the next several years. It doesn't always have to be a steady climb up up to where you want to be as an organization. Of course. Of course. So I, of course. I, I, yeah, it can work both ways. It, it obviously, you know, we saw in Winnipeg, it was the slow build, right? Uh, but we saw here uh, in, you know, from 2013 to 2014 and 15, it, it, was, it was a climb. And you can't say that that didn't put pressure on the teams in 2016 and 2017 to keep up with the bar that was set in 14 and 15. Well, and that's why too, like I appeal to anyone in my generation and younger to just not look at the game so much 
as just a game, but to get involved in the CFL because that's what gripped me. I love football dearly with my whole heart, but it's this the CFL that has kept me so entwined with you know, like sometimes the teams aren't so great, but it's it's the culture that's built around it that is so fascinating to me. Like Grey Cup completely changed the way I viewed the CFL in 2018. So I just hope that, you know, I just appeal to anyone who is my age and younger to actually experience. And that's what the Elks really need to improve on to is game day experience because man alive, yep. when you get hooked, you hooked. <laughs> I love that. All right. So two questions that I have. Um, and, and let me preface this by saying I am not against Chris Jones being the head coach and GM. I, I, I understand the move and I could, I, I can find a way behind it. Um, one of the things that you talked about though early, Dave, was you said that when they, when they let everybody go, do you notice how they didn't mention the three and 11? Did you notice how it wasn't focused on the the play on the field? Well, I said it was secondary. It was secondary, they right? talked like, about it, but it was secondary. Yeah. So what's the so the main issue is this disconnect with the fans. Can Chris Jones help to fix that? That's that would be my well, question for him too. Like I I understand he can put a winning product on the field. I know that he's really good at building a defense. I don't know on the offensive, he doesn't have a Mike Riley this time. So that worries me a little bit um, because he, I know that, like you said, he's very good at finding guys that can find play his system. And especially on defense, I think he's very good at that. I don't know about the rest of the team. <laughs> I, I don't want, you know, my, my all-star receiver now playing defensive back. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of things that Chris Jones did in Saskatchewan that brought a lot of kind of scandal to that team. And and the last yeah. thing that we need <laughs> right now is any type of those types of we've dealt with scandal after scandal, after scandal, after scandal from probably 2010 on. And, and in the last four years, it's been a gazillion of them we want to get back to talking about football on the field, but we also want to make sure that, you know, that connection is there and it's not any of this stuff that's happening that you're like, what are they doing? And now like, I, you know what I mean? So I, th those are my two big concerns. So do you like, am I way off base on that? Oh, I, I think, I think the connection to the fan base, I think is the number one issue facing this team is, is the culture of we value the fan and I don't think fans felt very valued in 2021. And I think, no. uh, I think for, uh, you know, for a number of years, it was starting to erode. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how connected did you feel to Chris Jones in 14 and 15? I'll ask you that, you know, not very, <laughs> but did, but were they a good football team? Sure. Is that, and, I don't know if it's Chris Jones job now as a GM, I think it, it comes more into focus that you have to have that, you know, help to have a bit of that connection point with the fans. But I think we're talking about the president role that it's going to be that person's job to really build, rebuild that back. And a part of that is winning football and getting football fans excited about the product that they see. Fair. So, you know, 
so when we talk about will Chris Jones be, you know, be able to connect the fans? Well, I mean, I think when he has to do it, he'll do it. And 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 I think we have seen small sample sizes that when he is out in the community, he did it well. And then he's like, yeah, now he's a football coach. He's like, can we get this over with so he can go back and game plan for Friday? <laughs> you know, every coach does that. But I think we have to put it in perspective here. The president of this team is going to be the steward to make sure that he sets the table, sets the bar, and that includes Chris Jones. This is the standard that we set. It's a little problematic that you hire your president after right. your GM. But you have to do it. Like if this is the consequence of the decision that they made, you know, you can't wait till the end of January or middle of January to hire your GM when free agency staring you in the face, you can't do it. But you know, the president, it's going to be his, his or her role to say, you need to reach this bar. And this is our connection point to the community. This is how we're going to do it. This is your role, Chris, but your role, Chris is to win football games. That's his primary goal is to win football games. And winning solves so many problems, right? Uh, everyone feels closer to their team when they can brag about it, right? Whether, whether you are or not. I mean, there's not many two-win, three-win, four-win teams in pro sports or pro football. That are, they go, people go, well, at least they're in the community a lot, right? <laughs> it, it, it's all about winning. When Wasn't push comes to shove. Wasn't that us in 2013? Wasn't that us in 2013? They still when, sucked, but hey, at when, least they were connected. <laughs> when push comes to shove, it's about winning. And winning gets you closer to the community because winning brings more people out. And that brings, uh, that means more people have fun at the games. Uh, once you start to win, you bring fans out and then you have to keep them there. Then you have to hook them. Then you have to, to prove that it's not just winning that brings you to the ballpark. It's the atmosphere that you have and the fun that you have while you're at the ballpark. It's and, handsome. But it's winning is the baseline. Winning is the baseline. I mean, that sets the stage for everything. And yes. to be fair, when I met Chris Jones, he was actually quite nice <laughs> to me. Yeah. I, yeah, you know it what? It was just and, that one off. Dave will back, back me up on this too. Like I never had any problems with Chris Jones when he was here. Uh, you know, he was very good to us. Um, he, he doesn't give you long sound bites like some other coaches. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you could ask Jason Moss a question and he'll give you a, a minute long answer. You could ask the same question to Chris Jones and he'll give you a 12 second answer. The answers may both be good, but people think just because he's a little brash in his answer that, that, it doesn't mean he doesn't care. It doesn't mean he doesn't like doing it. That's just the way he is. He just doesn't give long answers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Dave, we didn't have any issues at all with, with Chris Jones. He was he was good to us in his time here. There's no doubt about that. Well, um, our, our first pregame meeting was pretty bad, but you know, he didn't know us. We didn't know him. But I'll tell you, <laughs> after that after that initial meeting, uh, before I don't know which game it was, I think it was the first regular season game, every pregame meeting was so valuable with Chris Jones and he was very, very good and very, very candid. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I just, that, I think that was one of my concerns and, and, and I mean, obviously the concern is still there. Will he stay and, and are we in two years trying to rebuild? But, but you did that... say, you did say Morley just, yeah, put the right other guys in place that they can step up when it happens. Right. And, and, and really, isn't that the case with any coach, any GM you hire that, <laughs> Yes, they could leave at any time, time that he anyway, left right? here. He took everybody that would have taken his <laughs> spot. Yes. That was the that was what the problem was, right? And I think that's why you get the scorned lover. And and uh, I think 
our good friend Ryan Valentine uh, on uh, on Twitter Who? today said, uh, "Yeah, Who? Ryan, oh, Ryan dear. Valentine, come on, you oh. love him. Oh. You know, you okay. love him. Hey, Ryan, not Mike Jones. Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, not Mike Jones. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, th- there's there's a far difference from an uh, you know an, an amicable divorce uh, as compared to knowing that the person was cheating on you and left you before you even <laughs> talked about it, and that." Kind of was where we're, we we were at as far as as when CJ left here last time, right? So, so I I think there yep. is there is an emotional connection to that, and I, I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing. I'm just saying that that's it's. But I agree with you, Morley. He was going to a better spot, and I yep. don't begrudge him that at all. And it comes back to Gary Lawless just, again, right? Ruining yeah, it for everybody. It happened. <laughs> the way it happened was just got off. Yeah. So, um, and, and he's continued, like he's never been in a spot more than three years. I, yeah. I don't think ever. So, but if you plan for that, great. And that means that the president hire has got to be huge. So but not every team's had that, right? I mean, you look at Calgary, Calgary's had the true. same two people there for years. And it's not that they haven't had the opportunities. People talked about Dave Dickinson being offered head coaching positions while he was still offensive coordinator and he turned them down because he knew there was that, um, that structure in place where he was eventually going to move up. Right. There was that strategy they had in place. Um, the people have been talking about, he was offered the GM and head coaching role here. And again, he turned it down. So it's not that people won't take a, a position that's going to be way more money than everything else. If they know that they are valued where they are. And maybe that was it too, right? Maybe he didn't feel like he was being valued. It was just, or maybe he's just, that's not his thing. Right. Entirely possible. Absolutely. So, oh my goodness. So many angles on this and uh, oh, yeah. this is, uh, and there oh. may not be a wrong answer. I mean, we might be able to no, win yeah. with both of them. Right. So. No, and, and it's interesting too, Mike, cause you, you have five people who hate the notion of Chris Jones. Then you have another five people who love it. And I'll tell you what, if they hire Ted Govia, the same thing would happen. Five people will go, great, you didn't hire that idiot Chris Jones. And you have five people going, are you an idiot for not hiring Chris Jones? 100%. There is no yeah. simple answer to this. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, win, win or lose, lose. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think the, the thing at the bottom of all this, they're both extremely good candidates. If it is down to those two guys, they're both extremely good candidates who have been in the league for a long time yeah. and know what they're doing. Uh, they just looks like it looks like from the surface, and obviously we don't have the track record on Govia because he's never been a GM before. But it just looks like they just kind of do it in different ways. And who's to say Govia wants to do exactly or feels that this franchise needs to do what Winnipeg did? Maybe he right. says we can't. Maybe he has a plan to fix this quickly too. And maybe he says, and especially with free agency, right? I mean, 140% of the league are free agents, right? So it might be easy to just go out and sign whoever you want because of all the one-year contracts that have been in place. And 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 it's certainly, I think it's it's easier to turn a team around now than it was five or six years ago when, you know, there wasn't as many free agents out there. It's a terrible problem that the league has to address, but they're obviously not going to address it this year. So there's a chance that you can go out there and get the short-term fix this season and, and maybe turn a franchise around pretty quickly. And, I mean, Chris Jones can do it. I think Ted Kovia can do it as well. I mean, it's just the board has to decide which direction do they want to go. They want to go with the experience or do they want to go with the uh, first-timer? Do they want to go with the guy who also serves the role as head coach or do they want to go with the guy who's going to have to go out and hire a head coach? And who he wants to hire probably plays a role in this as well. 
What if it's yeah. Chris Jones? <laughs> is yeah. there a way they can get them both? I mean, I, I saw uh, it's I a promotion. Maybe Nye today tweeted today that when the when the Riders were looking for their new GM, uh, their short list was uh, was Chris Jones. Um, it was uh, John Murphy, and it was Jeremy O'Day, and they ended up hiring them all in different ca- in different roles. Right. And right. you know, flash forward four years, O'Day's now the general manager and doing a fine job. So maybe there's a way they get them both in. Right. And the problem with that, my concern, there's a cap. There wasn't a cap back then. Yeah. You know, what the, the, the football. Over? Yeah. But regardless, yeah. you're going to have to hire somebody to work in the front office with Jones's GM and coach because he can't do the daily work that a GM has to do because there's not enough hours in the day. He has to do the daily work that a defensive coordinator and a head coach has to do. So he needs help in the front office. So they're going to have to hire somebody anyway. So maybe there's a way, I don't know. Yeah. And they might have them already. I mean, Chris Hagerman was the one that he's a director of football ops. He, he, he's the one that negotiated the Grimes deal. Now that's an easier deal to do because Aaron Grimes is playing for one team and one team only for the rest of his career. And that's the Edmonton Elks. And he's probably going to live here year round. And, you know, he's interested in being with the organization post-playing career. But Chris has been around for a long time, too, and has done a really good job. So that might be someone that's on the rise, too, in this league that you just don't really talk about. What happens if you go over the cap? Uh, I have to look that up. But uh, But if if it's dollar for dollar for the first 150000 On the player's cap, right? On the operations cap. Is it? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a number. I've heard that number thrown out. So or maybe if that's it's, the case, or maybe then it's going a, over. Maybe it's an eighth-round draft pick. Who knows? Like, I mean, or or maybe it's a slap on the wrist. Right. Or maybe so, it's a well, conditional fine on, on the now. condition that you don't that's do it true. again. Right? Trust me, that, that suggestion, Mike, has been suggested to me uh, before, you know, the, the, all this, you know, happened. You know, even when Rock Sunderland and Jamie Elizondo were still part of this team, it's like, ah, Cares about the ops cap. Go over it. Just pay the penalty. Get it over with. I mean, you're trying to turn your franchise around. Go pay the penalty. That'd be a bold move. But uh... and I, I, I know for a fact the Elks uh, uh, were willing to go over the cap to keep Mike Riley. They, they were like going to put it on their books. We're going over right. the cap if you can keep Mike Riley. So, yeah, uh, it's not like it hasn't been thought of before. So sure. yeah, if yeah. The, if the penalty is is not severe and you feel you can pay it, then yeah. pay it and do what you want to do. The luxury yeah. tax then. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mike, is there anything that we haven't touched on that's in the chat? I know there's probably lots of chat going on, and it's going to be forever. Of chat. Um, and we have a few other things we still need to get to. But was there was there anything that is just way you know that we haven't already chatted about? Uh, let, let me go through. I think the most pressing thing that has been talking about is uh, uh, admiring the growing of both Dave and Morley's hair. So that's okay. good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> It's the longest it's been in months, actually. I know. That's what they're saying. Like, growing it out. It's looking good. Dave's Um, growing it out. I'm getting rid of it. Uh, That's perfect. Yeah. Between the two of you, it's a hair-sharing program. That's right. uh, So that's good. Um, So anything else we've got in here? There's a lot of talk about Chris Jones. As we expect, he makes people... He's very polarizing, right? It seems to be... Oh, yeah. And and right there... he's my guy or... I can't handle him being the he's guy. He's engaging so. the fan base right there. He's not even got the job yet, and he's already got the fan base talking about the team. So there's something. There's seriously, there's something to that, right? I, I mean, like yeah. I like I tweeted out when the rumor you know came out, Chris Jones could be the next GM and head coach, and I said, well, there's 
every uh, there's a hundred percent of uh, Elks fans who are against this, and a hundred percent of Elks fans who are for it. I mean, like <laughs> right. it's yeah. just he's just an engaging person to talk about, and cannot, pitchforks or flowers. It, it can't be all bad, right? <laughs> With a I sign need to of write torches that down for the yeah pitchfork yeah. or flowers. I like that. <laughs> So, and it, most of it's talking about what we've all been talking about. It's will he stay or won't he? We don't know because in the past that's been his MO. He's almost like a mercenary for hire. If the first junior college from the U.S. comes along and says we need a head coach, is he gone? Uh, and if he does, is it going to be like May 15th of this of 2022? Oh. Here's my <laughs> simple answer. I don't know. And no one no, knows. We, no one knows. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I can tell you this. Most players that have played for him love him. It's true. Mm-hmm. Very true. And even offensive players. I mean, I mean, Mike Riley could tell you stories about how he tried to mess with them during practice and the, the gamesmanship that would happen. Right. And, uh, uh, players love playing for Chris Jones too, you know, and he's not the most, uh, finely tempered man that you would ever meet at times. He's definitely got a fuse and it will go off. And Morley and I have seen that at practice a few times. Um, remember that, that one practice where they pulled him off early and he said, like, well, they, they were on the field for half an hour. And we're like, well, they were so good today. I think it was right before Labor Day in 15. And we go down there and go, well, did you rehab today? He's like, no, I was sick of them. So I started going in the locker room because they were not doing what I'm telling them to do. I said, I don't want to see you. And he's like, trust me, we'll be prepared. And they lost, but they were prepared. So. <laughs> Yeah. Chris Agro you know, says, he, "If yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say if CJ's the heel, Dave is now Bobby Heenan. So, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. There we are. Perfect humanoids. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, a couple, uh, a couple more years of uh, COVID, I might be Andre the Giant, or at least wide <laughs> enough to be. I don't know. Gotta, the big show, maybe. Yeah, the big show, probably a little better. What's what was the uh, what was the other? Uh, oh, now I can't remember his name. The the big guy that wore the blacks one sided. Come on, Dave, help me out. Bald guy, <laughs> great big. Anyway, whatever. It'll come to me. Carry on, Mike. Mark Henry. Um, <laughs> oh, Mark Henry. No, he was a bodybuilder or he was a weightlifter. I mean, he's the father dude. of a hand. So I'm that's going cool. back to like uh, the eighties. It's okay. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Um, yeah, just a lot of people talking. Um, anyone that can win, this is Chris Agar, anyone that can win and encourages community connection will attract both casual fans and keep the old stalwarts. Um, let's face it, they, they did a lot of things to screw up this year. Um, there seems to be a real disconnect with the fans because they didn't do anything to keep those fans, it seems like. Uh, taking down the pictures of Moon and, and Kepley and all the greats outside of the stadium uh that was a real miss for me. I don't understand why they did it. I know um, it's an obvious point for me to talk about keeping the history of the team. Um, yeah. but on brand, like, I don't know if brand. that was a, a slap to the history, more so a slap that they wanted to put their new logo up. They wanted to, to have their, their new logo up and their new name up more than anything. And I, to me, I didn't surprise me at all. And I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, shocked by it or offended by it. And, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the pit, the plan was to put some pictures back up around the building anyway. They might know, be. Afterwards. I know that the fan base was very upset about, like the brand seemed to be about, this is the brand and there is nothing else before. And Edmondson fans are very attached to their history. Yeah. They, uh, 
I mean, that is to them like losing the EE logo and not using it at all really this year, I think was also a bit of a, a calculated risk on their part. And I think it missed. Well, that hurt. That even hurt me, and I am not an old fan at all. But even I have built such a connection that to that EE in that in this short amount of time that I was actually disappointed because it means so much to me, right? So, yeah, you'll see it as part of the uniform next year when they finally get around I, to doing I, that. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll I absolutely see. Especially when they redesigned the new logo yeah. with the new version of the EE. Mm-hmm. I was right. very surprised they didn't use it. So. Right. Uh, a lot of people asking, if the team starts winning, is that enough to attract new young fans? I don't know if anyone can really answer that. We can yeah. guess. but It's, yeah. a, it's yeah. a league problem, really. It's not just an Elks problem. It's a 100%. league problem. Mm-hmm. I think the partnership with Genius Sports will do much more than what the XFL was promising they would do, or, or, or not promising, but pitching they would right. do. Because Genius has been around for a few years, and they are very, very good. If you, you look them up and Yep. You know, I mean, the NFL uses them for a lot of their stats, uh, innovations, and they they are very, very, very reputable. And there's a lot of people that are in the sports business that that know them very well and said this is an absolute hit for the CFL that they were able to get on board with Genius. But that's awesome. You know, that's why we're talking, you know, like what modifications do we need to make to the game? You know, four downs, three downs. Personally, I think they should not go to four downs. That should be the very, very last thing they ever think about. Uh, but it, it, you know, again, it's it's not an elk's problem necessarily. I think yeah. you oh, have it's, it's nine a teams problem. that are worried about this, and even in Regina, and maybe it's not a the riders don't have this as, as much of a problem as the elks do. It's still a problem there as well because you know, Morley and I did the game in uh, November, and well, even in uh, the West semifinal, I mean, it wasn't sold yeah. out. It They're was shocking. alarming, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of why that has to be answered. You know, this is really, uh, uh, you know, this has been a few, you know, going back a few years why, you know, fans are not showing up. They're watching it, but they're not going to the games. And, you know, COVID didn't help at all. So, But, but Hamilton when, was sold out, was it not? Uh, yes, the, it was. And what's yeah. the seating capacity variation between Saskatchewan and, or Regina and Hamilton? Hamilton's uh, less, I think. I think they're in the yeah. 20s and Saskatchewan's in the 30s, I, 30s, I believe, okay. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. What else we got here? Um, Oh, by the way, uh, Chris Hagar and Tim Capper both simultaneously said, uh, Andrew, it's King Kong Bundy. There you go. That's the one I'm talking Ah, about. There you go. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Problem solved. Wasn't he on Married with Children? Anyway. um, (laughs) He he was the grandpa. That was his brother. Yeah. He was on Married with Children once. It was funny. Um, Anyway. Leanne is uh, asking Hello, how Leanne. long. There it is. How long do the board members hold their seats? Perhaps it's time to change the board up a bit. They were talking about diversity. Maybe they could use a little more diversity. And if you look at the pictures of the nine board members, not the most diverse group of people you ever saw, for sure. I volunteers tribute. There we are. <laughs> You're in. If it was up to me. Thanks. And Tim Capper says 11K difference in the uh, two stadiums you're asking Okay. About. Okay. Mm. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Perfect. Awesome. Um, okay, Mike, uh, do you want to quickly do some uh, horrid items, and then we'll talk a bit about free agents, and then we can let these guys go to bed, because Morley's got to yeah. get up early. I don't want to make it. As Morley. he does. We're making it's it true. Uh, Okay. And, 
and now needs Leanne's needs a cold shower. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, so, emoji. Uh, uh, exactly. Um, everyone knows I love to collect uh, a lot of team photos uh, of the team no. from as far back as I can go up to present. I've got team photos from the 19th century up to uh, 2020, up to 2019 now. So, uh, do you have any that are chiseled in rock? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not yet, but they're coming. I'm sure. Um, so I, I managed to talk to somebody that got something that was a little special for me. Um, I think the greatest team this league has ever seen is the uh, 1981 team, which celebrated its 40th anniversary this year. Uh, if you look at the people that are on that team, it's absolutely outstanding. Um, so I managed to get something from that uh, 20 or sorry, 1981 team. Uh, it was a little extra special. And this is uh, a lovely team photo of hopefully you can sort of see that there's a lot of reflection of the screen there. So yeah. uh, there we go. Yeah. So if you can see that signature up on the uh, top, what is that top right? Dan Kepley, yes. Yeah. So this was from his collection. This every player is awarded or is given a team photo with uh, it's quite nicely printed as well as the names of all the teammates on there. I've got four uh, of the five dynasty years: seventy-eight, seventy-nine, eighty-one, and eighty-two. So this again is my all-time favorite team, and uh, anyone that saw them play probably understands why. And if you look at the, you know, 12 to 20 guys that are in the Hall of Fame or on the Wall of Honor, it's not hard to see. So so that was kind of a neat one to get. And then I just got this today. I was showing people before we started recording. Uh, In the 60s, um, they used to have these things called gumball helmets. Like you went to a gumball machine and you would put in your, you know, nickel at the time and you'd get a little helmet. Um, Well, they put out a full set and it looks kind of like that. (laughs) So So that is... Yeah, that is the 19, I think probably about 65, maybe 66. You can see that uh, CFL logo there. Um, that's the one they started from 63 to 69 before they switched to the helmet logo. Uh, inside, you get uh, little helmets like that. You can kind of <laughs> see it. It comes with a, a set of gold posts that you'd put them on, and then the stickers to put on the side of them. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you can see there's the, the full set in wow. there. So. Pretty cool. Uh, coming with the box itself is absolutely outrageous to find. Uh, and there are a lot of people. I've been talking with Trevor Kennard, anyone that remembers the old Winnipeg Blue Bomber kicker. Uh, he's a good Edmonton boy. He and his twin brother both played for the Golden Bears. And he's been looking for a set similar to this, but uh, a little later version. And uh, so far, I haven't found it. But I found that one, so I'm like, no, that's coming home. <laughs> hey, Mike, can you zoom in on that old CFL logo? The logo? Yeah. yeah. Ooh. I, I like that. So that was the first real CFL logo that they had after forming in 1958. That sort of came out a couple of years later, 62, 63, something like that. Very cool. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Very cool. Thank you, Superfan. Yeah. That's, uh, that's outstanding. Um, let's very quickly talk about um, our free agents and um, and the schedule that just came out. Um Elks did have some signings this week. Grimes yes. for two years. Uh, Diego is back for two years, which is fantastic. Huzzah. That means yeah. good chocolate for everybody. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite. Um, and uh, also signing um, uh, Dubai, Quartus, and McGirt for all for three years. So yep. kind of oh, nice wow. to see some uh, three-year contracts mm-hmm. in there. That's, uh, that's sure. exciting when we've just been talking about 
continuity. I don't know what that. Okay, sorry, my dog is scratching at the window. I'm like, what is that? And then I look up and I see this face peering in the window. Like, yes, I'm. I've seen movies that start like that. They're never good. East. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. When you have an 85 pound, <laughs> some looking in your window, it's like, whoa, hello. A little less scary than a bald man looking through your your uh, door. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Uh, Lots of free agents on this team. Um, lots of guys that I'm not sure will be back. But um, uh, Morley, let's start with you this time. Are there is there a couple of guys that you're like, okay, we need to get this guy back? Like, there's lots where we could go through and say, maybe not, maybe not. But what are the guys that we need to get back? Yeah, uh, I didn't peruse the list all that hard, but I know Dave and I were talking about this earlier today too, and I think it starts maybe with Matt O'Donnell. Uh, on okay. the offensive line, and uh, I'm I'm I'd be very eager to have Quaker Botang back as well. He didn't have yes. the greatest season, but he's still got great potential to be a to be a terrific uh, a terrific player, and has been you know in years past, and 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 played pretty well I thought at the end of the season uh, this mm-hmm. year. But uh, Matt O'Donnell, I mean, if you're talking about getting into the community and 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 being a part, those are the kind of players that you have yeah. to have on your team. I mean, a guy very willing to do that, a guy, he's the longest serving member of the team now. And I know there comes a point where you, you have to cycle those guys out, but uh, Matt O'Donnell is still a really good football player. So I I don't think he wants to go anywhere and uh, you got to believe that, uh, that he'd be an asset to keep. So he'd be the first guy I'd look at. I, as, as as far as some of the other guys go, you got to wonder, you know, Darrell Walker and Greg Ellingson and what their status is going to be moving forward. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if, if there'd be a lot of interest in, in bringing them back. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, and it, again, it depends on, on who gets the job as general manager and who gets the job as coach, if they want those guys back or not. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, to me, to me, the first one that jumps out at me is Matt O'Donnell. Okay. Dave. Yeah, I'm with Morley. I think Matt O'Donnell's prior, priority number one, if he wants to come back, and I got a feeling he does. He does. Um, I agree with Boateng. Um, I mean, he, he was silent for weeks, but his last four games, five games, he really came on, and I think he was back to kind of his old self again, so I would uh, I would sign him back. I'd sign Sean White back, too, uh, yeah. to have stability in your kicking game. I know they got Dante Brown, uh, and they got uh, Hugh O'Neill around but uh i would uh i would definitely you got to have stability in your kicking game sean white can still get it done and then i look at two players on their defense uh, one is Derek moncrief if they can resign him i would i would do that the other one and he should have been an all-star is yes. in washington he he got snubbed and that was yeah. unfortunate um and <laughs> so funny story so we we picked Derek moncrief morley and i had a vote <laughs> Uh, we picked him as the defensive player of the or most outstanding defensive player. Yep. And then Tremaine Washington has a two interception performance in Toronto. Well, we had to vote <laughs> by Sunday. You know, right. that, you know, I think we, we voted before we boarded a flight from Regina to Toronto. Yeah. They were like, yeah. And, and honestly, and, I do believe that Derek Moncrief is their most talented defensive player. And but don't forget, he was just defense- coming off a three sack performance, too, right? Yeah. True. He was yeah. great. Yeah. So, but Jermaine uh, Washington was excellent this year. So yep. he's a priority for me. And I would consider Ellingson coming back. I, I would. Because I think he did have a, a better year than people give him credit for. Although scoring one touchdown is is not good enough, obviously. When Shy Ross and Mike Jones and Jalen Tolliver and... Uh, and uh, what? Tavon. Huh? Yeah. And, Tavon uh, Smith. Yeah, James Wilder had two touchdowns. 
you know, but I would still consider bringing him back, but definitely has to be at a lower price. Yeah, Darrell Walker, I, I don't understand what was going on with him. Uh, his body language in games were terrible. His body language with us was, or his, his demeanor with us was not good, and that, not, not, that, that's the important thing. Um, and James Wilder, I don't know. I think uh, I think Walter Fletcher has shown enough that, uh, you know, he potentially is the man. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot on this free agent list I would go. They have to have. And to be honest, the players that are under contract just doesn't mean they're going to be around for long as well. So from the outset, this is not a good roster. It's not a good roster. And we talk about the quarterback play, you know, the quarterback stability. Mm -hmm. You got Arbuckle, you got Cornelius, you got Prukop. Um, Arbuckle, I know people were like, I didn't Arbuckle play. You didn't want him playing with that group. You didn't want him playing. Mm -hmm. Not, not with that O-line, not with that receiving core not with that short amount of time in seven days. You didn't want Nick Arbuckle playing. And then Taylor Cornelius showed some flashes. Uh, I think he was hurt by no practice time in the final week after the, the game in Regina. But the quarterback stable doesn't necessarily jump out at you and go, oh, wow, you know, it, it, there's some potential there. But this is a, this is a hurting roster. This is a, not a very good roster. And whoever is the GM has got their hands full. <laughs> yeah, to say the least, to say the least. Uh, Mike, do you disagree with all those, or is there anyone else that we missed? I mean, obviously, I agree with all of those people. I have them on my list. Uh, Jordan Hoover, I'd like to see come back again as well, get a little bit of stability at the safety position. And the one guy that doesn't get a lot of fanfare, but I think comes to work every game is James Tuck. And we've mm-hmm. seen mm-hmm. getting those yep. special team guys that'll stay, like when we – uh, like we've lost many special teams guys, whether it be Calvin, um, Mike Miller, Ugh. Mike Miller was the guy I was thinking of, and look what he's done in Winnipeg. Um, when mm. we got rid of him, I was stunned at the time. Uh, Corbin Sharoon was another guy that was a great special teamer that was just sort of cast aside. Um, and I think the team suffers for that. And even though our special teams wasn't great, um, I think getting rid of the best guys on your special teams may not be the best move. So he's yeah. on my list as well. Yep, yep, that's absolutely. good. That's good name. Yep. Uh, anybody for you there, Kayla? Well, that's the same thing. I mean, I really appreciated our conversation with Kwaku um, when we got to do our little promotion thing. And, you know, the insight that we got to see from his perspective um, about this season, uh, it just, it really goes to show what kind of, you know, man he is, but also the player that he is and, you know, why those struggles occurred and, and why he may have not been performing like he usually was, you know, a big missing piece was not having uh, Almondo there. And, you know, he was, he was he humble to enough to, to play s- without him. Yeah. Exactly. And he was humble enough to say like, look, this, this wasn't, what am I supposed to do when I don't have like my key guy beside me? And, so obviously, like we're very biased on this podcast, and we want to see Kwaku back. And I mean, that's no exception on and on any of our lists. But um, for Mama Jedi and myself, I'll say uh, Termaine Washington is definitely up there. <laughs> definitely agree with you. Got snuff. Like that guy was a rock star this year. So I, I'm really excited. Hopefully, if they sign him, to see what uh, he can do next year because I think he's another rising star. Um, but yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with all you guys. And but those are the two that stood out for me. Yeah, maybe they uh, maybe they purposely bring in Chris uh, Chris Jones just so that they can keep Moncrief. I mean, <laughs> well, he played yeah. for him before. Like maybe. Yeah, there's a, there's uh, he's a so good. Yeah, he's so yeah, dynamic. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
And uh, just so that you guys know, the Wilson cam is on. I'm probably just because he just popped in. Oh, say hello. believe me, the the uh, the people here have, have spoken. Have have spoken that the Wilson cam is popular, so I have to put yes. the Wilson cam on when he pops in there. Yeah, um, he's not looking at the camera, but he is hanging out. He's still cute. Um, they didn't care. Okay, good. Yeah, right, puppy. There he goes. Okay. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, now, schedule-wise, um, did you guys look over the schedule, and is there anything that uh, jumped out to you, good, bad, or otherwise? Uh, a lot of stamps. <laughs> a lot of stamps. Yeah, a lot okay. of stamps, you know a lot what, of riders. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they went with the unbalanced schedule again. Is nah. anybody? I don't like it. I mean, you know it's what? a nine-team okay. league. You should go everywhere. And every everybody, you should get to see every team in your stadium, and you should visit every stadium. That's my, exactly. my thought. It's a nine-team league. That's. I, I wanted to go to Montreal so bad next year. <laughs> Fair. You can. I can just they're not play my team, but oh, okay. no, they're right, here. Yeah. No, you can. Well, they're July fourteenth. No, no, we're we're there nope. as well. Yeah, weeks yeah, yeah. yeah. yep. yep. July fourteenth. Oh, the preseason? No, 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 no. no. July, week six. July, yeah, July fourteenth. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The Thursday night too. You can make it a long here. weekend. We were the ones yeah. holding the sign, Kayla. Come on, no, in the video, we were. <laughs> yeah, you were there, Kayla. <laughs> you were the video. They didn't tell us when it was. I was just holding the sign, and I was excited. Did you not watch they... the video? Kayla's challenging. Yeah, of course I did, yes. but I was like, ooh. There's just two teams. We don't have Hamilton coming here, and we're not going to Toronto. That's who it was. Thank right. you. Okay. Well, no, Holy Mazzoli. From right. Ottawa's well, perspective, it's terrible. That's true. Like, why like, I'm thinking about Ottawa and Montreal's perspective. You know, why do they have to play each other five times? That's that's just dumb, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's just completely ridiculous. Oh, by the way, my wife texted me because she's uh, she's uh, up above. Uh, watching uh, Modern Family before it leaves Netflix, and she says, you talk too much. She's right. Um, <laughs> this was never but, a uh, question, Dave. That's what Halsey used to say about you, too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Don't we also play Alternate the universe. five times, though, too? We yes, do we play them five times. Yes, yeah. once well, in the preseason and yeah. four in the, in the regular season. But too much. See, but don't tell me this is health and safety, why, why you go, you know, you only play Hamilton once and play Toronto once. It's not... Has anything to do with health and safety? No, Nothing. this has everything about um, building rivalry. That's what yep. it's all about. Yeah. Which I appreciate, uh, but yeah. we are now. What I do like, yeah. Now, if you're the organization, you're going, "Wow, two home games against the the Riders, two home games yep. against the Stampeders." Cha ching, right. cha ching, cha ching. Right, and it's a true. Sunday Absolutely. night game too, which is uh, pretty rare in the regular season. We've had Sunday preseason games, but it's been a long time, I think, since there's been a Sunday regular season game at home, and it, it's a good schedule. Like what, five Saturdays? Two Fridays, a yeah. Thursday, and a Sunday. I think it is right. Yep. So that's and, that's and pretty accommodating. We even got nice bye weeks. Like other than we have the bye week on the last week of the season, which we did in 2015. That that's fair. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. How'd that work see. out? Yeah. Yeah. That was okay. It was, it was all right. And then before that, it was I think 81 as well. Oh well, that would that also worked out well. Okay. Well yep. then, great cup for us. You know, perfect. That's perfect. what I want to hear. That's uh, we're just yeah. saying it right now. We'll go I think it's less about yeah, I mean, Tim, Grey Cup. Perfect. Tim yeah. Capper saying, I don't think it's health and safety, it's cost savings because it's cheaper yep. to have people travel to Calgary than people in Edmonton traveling to Montreal. Or yeah. to, a bus ride to well, Calgary is cheaper it, than a plane ride to Toronto, right? That's just yeah. simple math, right? Sorry. So. I, yeah, I retract. I meant to say Toronto because I really wanted to go to the Toronto Stadium. BMO? No, not BMO. 
Emo. Yep. Yeah, Bemo. Yep. I really yeah. wanted to go next year. And uh, sorry, okay. that's so I retract Montreal and I meant to say Toronto. <laughs> so sorry. are you going to Montreal then? Oh heck yes. Okay, perfect. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, we'll get more into the schedule next year as it gets closer. I, I just thought overall, I, I I thought it was I thought it was a decent schedule for the way the games, the home games are. I'm glad there wasn't any eight o'clock games. I know, Mike, you would yes. appreciate that. Um, Anyone with a family must like yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, so with I ex- no, I even don't like those. <laughs> we have a seven thirty one, and that's in early yes. June but, or middle June. So, but at least that's yeah, that's when and in October. Out. Yeah, not when it's yeah. October twenty first is a Friday game, seven thirty. Well, that okay, that that could be a tough one. We'll see. Yeah, it's okay. That's PC. That'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Nathan Rourke starting. Okay, um, <laughs> just throwing it out there. Okay. Yeah, how'd that work for us last time? Uh, yeah, not so great. Okay, let's uh, let's do this. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distribu- distributing funds. You can learn more at ecfoundation.org. That's ecfoundation.org. All right. Well, this was uh, an amazing conversation as it always is. And uh, thank you guys so much for coming on, Dave. Uh, please apologize to your wife that I had you talk too long, although I love every minute of it. Uh, it's, it's okay. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can tell her that we all really love it. I don't know if that mm-hmm. helps at all. Yeah, it mm-hmm. probably just means that I'm going to get a message on Facebook to say, can you please shut him up? And I'll be like, no. Uh, yeah, I like, <laughs> I like talking. I'm just to interrupting you. her modern family binge watching. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't blame That's her for what that. This, this, this is what this is all about. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. uh, we appreciate you chatting. Uh, as always, thank, thank you. you guys. Um, Morley, um, I know you're doing early mornings, so uh, give everyone the plugs where they can hear you in the off season. And, and, uh, and then, of course, we'll have you on before the season starts so you can plug what you do on a regular basis that we love. Yep, uh, on the Tweety Box at Morley underscore Scott, and you can catch me every morning on uh, 6.30 Ched Mornings uh, uh, with uh, Daryl McIntyre and uh, Randy Kilburn and uh, Sarah Fox, and uh, uh, we just have a whole lot of fun and uh, bring you the information, sportscast at 25 after and 5 to the hour all morning long, starting in uh, just a couple hours from now. Yeah, no, Legends. Yeah, I, uh, I have to admit, I had to drive out to Lloyd Minster the other day, and it was nice to have a familiar voice as I was driving out that way, way early in the morning, so. So that was uh, very helpful. I appreciate that. Narrate uh, your life. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the soundtrack of your life. <laughs> I'm, when I write my story, it's going to be the audiobook is going to be read by Morley Scott and it's going to be oh, real. I would love so it. good. Yeah. I think you can afford me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like this. I like the way this is planning. Uh, Dave, where does everybody find you these days? Yeah, Twitter, Dave underscore Ched. Uh, plug for uh, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins from 6 to 8 because I'm the producer of that fine, fine program. Uh, you can catch me when I'm working. I'm off this week. so uh, But you can catch me on Global News Radio from uh, middle of the afternoon to about uh, 6 o'clock. And I am everywhere, basically. <laughs> everywhere. Which is the way Omnipresent. That's, that's, yes. what we, that's what we hope for. That was actually at my door today. Who wasn't Andrew? What's that? It was yeah. Omnipresent Dave. That's right. <laughs> Omnipresent Dave. There's a new handle. Yeah. Uh, also title of the podcast. Okay. Super fan Mike, where do we find you? 
You can find me at 56 Parkies, and then you can find the history and the Horde stuff uh, at the Edmonton Football History Twitter, which is at E-D-M-H-I-S-T-O-R-E-E. Wonderful. And Commissioner Kayla? I'm trying to follow up after that. I'm very dull. You can find me on Twitter at Duchess Lombardi. Sing it. That's it. <laughs> Spell it out with this tune. Come on now. Uh, all right. Um, uh, make sure that you are following our good friends, Pay It Forward with Football, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and of course their website. Uh, as I know they finished up their uh, Stuff a Wallet program uh, and should be uh, going out, I believe it's this week. So uh, thank you to everyone that contributed to that and uh, is part of spreading kindness, as we appreciate that. Uh, of course, uh, you can find all of the other great shows on the Alberta Podcast Network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. How was that, Mike? That was beautiful. Okay, good. I was really working on that one. Uh, and of course, uh, join us in the huddle at the Turf District uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, we will be back in the new year. Um, and of course, if we have any breaking news, we might do just a quick uh, YouTube live hit. Which, episode? Yeah, well, that might have to happen. I, I don't know. Something might happen. Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm, yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, exactly. In an hour. Are you guys busy? Yeah, no. Um, this will yep. be three martinis, dude. I'll get Dave on so that we can just hear him brag about picking Chris Jones again. Uh, <laughs> bragging. Oh, come on. Come on. Um, it's Chris Jones theme music. Okay. Got to have Dave on before long anyway, because when I beat him in fantasy, it'll be important to talk about that too. Ooh. Oh, nothing. Bring it. <laughs> there Bring it. <laughs> You're kicking Paul's butt. Yeah, I know. Uh -oh. Making yeah. me feel really happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, By the way, he he messaged me and said this was going to happen that you would kick his butt anyway. I am I am pulverizing JT right now. So yes, Adam. yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, the right people are winning there. I think I don't know if that. Uh... <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble. I gotta see in the final gotta stop yammering like that okay uh <laughs> once again um this show was dedicated to all of our very good friend bill kempflern um and um all the best to his family and uh i like i said we we hope for nothing for him other than the best seat uh, at every game from here on out and and thank you for all the last my friend it was great um on that note uh merry christmas to everybody and yes. everybody on the call, everybody listening, uh, I hope you have a great Christmas and a happy new year. And we hope to talk to you soon. Uh, so for Dave Morley, Superfan Mike, Commissioner <laughs> Kayla, I'm Andrew. <laughs> I know I couldn't even get through it without laughing. Uh, <laughs> remember, you can't catch footballs with your face and we will absolutely talk to you next week. Uh, no, not next week. Next year. Happy New Year. Finish so up strong. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.